Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. I am joined by Kathy Fuller Seeley, and we are here to talk about this is actually our first episode of what I think of as the Rod Serling show. We're going to have episodes focusing on a lot of Rod Serling uh, early work that he did before Twilight Zone. Uh, maybe I'll pick up some stuff after Twilight Zone. There's a, just a bunch of great stuff out there on YouTube that uh, I just don't think people bump into that much or realize is there. And certainly for any Twilight Zone fans, any Rod Serling fans from Night Gallery, that sort of thing, I think uh, these shows are definitely worthwhile. They're what got him those shows was some of the early work. And you can see why he won so many Emmys and why his writing stood out so much. The man could write. And uh, anyway, we, we, uh, Kathy, uh, of course, has written a few books on uh, Jack Benny. And uh, you can check those out. If you go to Amazon, you can and look her up. You can find all those books. Uh, but but today, uh, and, and Jack gets a little shout out on this episode. We'll talk about that. But, uh, but this is Rod Serling's The Comedian. And The Comedian was on, what, what, what show was it on? Do you remember? Uh, Playhouse 90. Right. Yeah. About, about Jack's birthday, somewhere around February 12th, 1957. Okay, perfect. And uh, so this is just a couple years before he would, uh, Rod Serling would go on to write Twilight Zone, because uh, that came out in 59. So th this is um, maybe towards a little bit of the later end of his Playhouse 90s and that sort of thing. He'd already written a, a few. He, he'd already had a huge name. His first show that really got him known was Patterns. And then after Patterns, uh, Requiem for Heavyweight uh, was his second huge piece and then this would probably I would think be considered his third oh, huge piece yeah. the trilogy there of these three were his biggest things he'd done a lot of other stuff and we'll be presenting those other things as well but these three I think really cemented him as the golden writer of that age uh anyway let's let's flip it over to Kathy we got a lot of things to cover today on this on this show before oh, we actually we bring sure it and as I said, I can't thank you enough, Daryl, for the introduction to this. I, you know, I, I don't know that much about, I mean, I may teach courses about early television and yeah. 50s TV, but I've not spent a lot of time watching the, um, the live dramas. Right. Uh, you know, that I was, indeed, but when we talk about Jack Benny, I then tell you that I didn't grow up in towns where I got to see Jack Benny. So, so this is, all, I'm, a, I'm coming at this with fresh eyes. But it's just genius, and I'm ever so grateful. Um, uh, it's a course, it's a, um, a film, uh, a TV episode that I would really like to show to my students, and we'll work it into my, my history classes in the future. Um, yeah. What I was talking to Daryl about earlier is that I had a very uh, excellent master's student write her master's thesis about another. So if this, the origins of this story were a, a novella, uh, a sort of a short story that came from a failed article uh, uh, that Ernest Lehman was not able to get published. The Ernest Lehman's original article was a profile of Milton Berle. And it was so, um, uh, uh, they were so afraid that Berle would sue that they um, refused to publish it. So Lehman reworked it, fictionalized it up a bit here and there and turned it into this novella. And that's what, um, uh, Rod Serling adapted for the TV show, but at the same time 
that this is being made and being made in the space of a week. Amazing. Oh, yeah. that's what I want to show my students. It's like, look, they had one week and then did this live. Um, uh, uh, another Ernest Lehman story very connected to this was being made as a feature film. I was telling um, uh, Daryl about um, Burt Lancaster and Tony, uh, Tony Curtis in a film called The Sweet Smell of Success, which is just, it's the flip side. It's the story of the evil uh, Broadway columnist. Who, who really, you know, uh, uh, hates everybody and, you know, holds everybody in his thrall. And the two of these things together are amazing and maybe too much to take in one day. You yeah. just want to go, oh, I want to take a hot shower and scrub the nasty humanness off me. <laughs> um, but it turns out the sweet smell of a success was box office poison. It was released like four months later and it was a disaster. But a little bit of research on the comedian, it was a huge success. Mm -hmm. so, so a little bit of mixed reviews, but um, uh, hugely successful. So um, it kind of sealed the lead of, of, of Playhouse 90 of being the most prestigious drama on yeah. television. Yep. So. Well, and, and I think there's so many levels, and this is great that you're planning on showing this to your students at some point, because there are so many levels of interest here. You have the actors are so unique and so wonderful. Mickey Rooney does a brilliant job in the lead role of just being this heinous person. And then the actor playing his brother, Mel Torme, in, and you don't expect Mel Torme, Mel certainly Torme. Mel Torme is a, is a songwriter and a, and a singer and uh, does beautiful work as some of the songs that are still played today at Christmas time and so forth. The, the um, the Christmas song is is his song, the chestnuts roasting on open fire. He wrote that, and uh, anyway, or co-wrote it. But but here he is acting and doing a really good job of bringing being the milk toast brother that just kind of can't stand up for himself and is trying, and his wife wants him to. And uh, one thing that that Rod gets um, what kind of uh, criticized about sometimes is his writing for women and how his women sometimes are not featured or as strong as his men. In this particular case, the female characters, there are basically two of them and both of them I feel are very well written and very, uh, you can tell, and, and the actresses portray them, there's even, they, they portray more than even on the page. And I think it's, it's two of his best female uh, pieces that I've seen. Then besides that, you look past the acting and you go into uh, the production and just how sometimes there's this one shot somewhere in the middle where they are on the stage performing or, or, or getting ready to perform or something. And they're talking and it follows them as they go all the way through to the, to the booth where they're um, uh, giving the direction and things. And I just, in just that shot, you realize, boy, how much stage space they're using up and how much they're letting us just follow, 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 follow yeah. into that booth. And, and you just go, wow, that is, they had to, to get the cameras and everything rolling around to, to get them yeah. over there. Yeah, cameras. They're... It's not like the little handheld, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, uh, aesthetic that films would be in the 60s. These are big honking cameras. Yeah. And just as you say, they're, yeah. they're following the people. And for and, them, I mean, it's the, like a yeah. choreographed dance or something that the, yeah. that the cameraman's doing along with. Because now you can, 
have drones circling a person or whatever. You can have these cameras that are mounted where the guy just has it bouncing on his chest and he can walk all around and do everything. They didn't have that back then. And so for them to do this, that's a whole nother piece and a whole lot of work. They, they didn't have to do. They could have had simply lockdown cameras. You're in this room. Now you're in that room. Now you're in the, the sound room. Now you're in, the, now you're in his, his, his uh, dressing room. But they didn't do that. They, they followed right. them throughout. The, the television play of its production really captures to me another reason I want to show it to students what that almost 10 years earlier live television production on small stages was like I loved the shots of John Frankenheimer the director got of people's heads as in back in 1948 when TV set screens were only yes. this big and heads seem to fill it. Um, that and then the, they the had some uh, huge shots, it, like you're saying, of the of the of the of their heads being up there. What was really cool, I thought, was sometimes they would have the the two people like acting at a certain part of the room in towards the back, and they would yeah. and you'd see the two of them in a two shot going back and forth. Well, then something dramatic would happen. They discuss something dramatic, and one of them would like start to cry or get upset or something. And so they'd lean like way into the camera or maybe put their hands on a desk and their face would be right up in the camera. The other actor would then work themselves around so they're right next to them. So you get the two faces where the screen doesn't even hold their whole face. It's like, it's like cutting it. So it's just the, just the front part of their face on each of them. And it's so dramatic, and yet it's not done by the camera zooming in or going to a different shot. It's yeah. one and, and yet, shot. and yet, so then I think, what if I show this to my undergraduates on the great big um, screen of my two hundred seat auditorium? They go, ah! But it's also so effective with that maniacal laugh yes. that uh, Mickey Rooney has when he, you know when he's doing the mean, <laughs> yeah, and it's stick out, and, it's, and yet it's not over the top. It's yeah, What's yeah. funny, okay, I'm going to get a little controversial here. Sorry about this, gang. But uh, even if I watched this a few years ago, I would have said that Mickey Rooney is a little over the top. But honestly, throughout this performance, which I did not expect to do, I was just watching the performance. I wasn't trying to do this. But man, there was a certain person that just kept going through my brain as being very similar to this. And it's someone that ran our country for the last four years. Yeah. Um, and I tell yeah. you, it, it is odd how close this hits to home with that. And I'm not going to go into much more than that, but it's just amazing. And to, and to think you watch this and in, and in my brain, I'm like, boy, I would not want this guy to have very much power. Um, anyway. And yet, yeah. but, but the um, Serling's uh, teleplay so captures also, the relationship to other people, not only always, you know, um, uh, uh, yelling at and screaming at and belittling and insulting yes. and all this, but the ways, the ways his script shows their ties to him, what keeps the brother, what keeps the, screen, the head writer, what keeps people coming back to him. That, you know, I mean, that so you're right. Every you know, time he's about to like, lose someone's mm -hmm. support or someone, he does something that draws them back in and yeah. then he'll pounce on them. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't want to give away too, too much of this because you're going to be watching it here in a few minutes, but uh, just some of it where you use, and, and there's beautiful opportunities where you can tell he as a individual notices 
here's an opportunity where I can actually um, allow someone else to have a happy life or to have a happy at least moment. He cannot make it happen. He, he then comes in and shreds it and he has to shred everything and everyone. He's the only one that matters to him. And he, I don't think he sees that or understands that about himself, but it is in his nature that that is what he does. And man, he does it well. He does a, a, a good job yeah. of it. And yeah. The, um, uh, you had mentioned before our broadcast when, when we were corresponding during the week that you thought that this was based on red buttons. Right. I think it's, it's a smack on Milton Berle. Right. But even um, movies like, is it my favorite year? The, the one with Peter O'Toole where he plays. There is something this film capture, I mean, this teleplay captures that talks about Sid Caesar too, how the incredible tensions of bringing the show together live, wanting it to be the best, turned a number of these performers into egotistical monsters. Right. Um, right. and, and so it, in a way it is kind of a you know a little yeah. biographical yeah. and it's why of so many of them things. churned through their writers just had writer after writer trying to find that one who and yeah. and then and this well because it's written by Rod Serling and he knows writers and all of that that the writers are a huge piece of this or at least the main writer and you can see a writer that portrayed as a writer runs out of ideas and just is stuck mm -hmm. and they're like, I don't, nothing, maybe after you've written comedy for so long, after a while, nothing seems yeah. funny or you can't but, realize yeah, what is but, funny but anymore. But also this yeah. incredible pressure of the live show. Yes. If you don't have, you can't go away, you know, and think about this and produce it next right, week. Right, I can't go, it's oh, I'll write, I'll write up some of the funniest stuff I've ever written over this next month. It's like, you have to write it in the next couple of days. So if you can't yeah. come up with something in a couple of days, you've got all this pressure on you. And that's what he had. And uh, yeah. his whole storyline uh, of, of what he does to, to deal with the, the pressure, you can see it. I, certainly they telegraph it going forward. You can pick from very early on what's going to sort of happen to him. But, uh, but still, the characters, all of the characters, except for the Mickey Rooney character, uh, they do things that are somewhat unexpected, somewhat selfless at different times, helping each other out because they know they're all in this sort of together, all having the same issues and they're trying to save each other's marriages and they're trying to, to, to make each other survive this situation. Um, and uh, one piece, there's, there's one piece where a writer uh, gets some news towards the end from Mickey Rooney and that writer like, gets all excited about what's going on, going to happen and yeah. be like, oh, here's how we can make this better yeah. and different and this is going to be great. And Mickey Rooney just is like, it's it's always going to be about me. It's never going to be about you. This is not going to happen this way. He just immediately sets the tone of what the relationship is and you can just see that writer just deflate in front yeah. of you. Yeah. But it, it happened on radio too. I can name other people. Bob Hope. Oh, Bob Hope is, is known Bob for Hope firing all his writers. Yeah. Wicked, wicked to his writers. And uh, so, like I said, all that was fascinating. One of the interesting things I read in reviews that came out when this, that a, a number of uh, letters to the columnists and a number of critical comments said they were surprised they expected a different kind of ending. 
and and they wouldn't really say what but am i saying i think every and i kind of watching it i thought why didn't somebody off this guy you know why did why why hasn't it become manchurian candidate at the end or seven days in well there's one point where i feel like that could have happened i mean you you see a, a situation with his brother where uh, you're like, what's his brother going to do? I don't know what's going on here. His brother looks like he's lost it. And that could have happened. I mean, that's another way they could have written it that would have been interesting as well. Uh, would have been a lot darker. But uh, but yeah. Well, well, or no. Or does that, would that relieve us? You know, okay, right. if the Mickey, if the, if the Sammy Hog, Hogwarts, if the Sammy whatever Hogarth, Hogarth. character is, is punished, finally, you know, whether it's killed or maimed or murdered or fired or something, then we would feel that justice is done. Uh, It's the kind of thing I want to make students write about. What does it mean at the end that then everybody says, this is the uh, greatest show ever. And then he ends up just being able to go on. Yeah. And, and and that left me more unsettled. Yes. Um, Well, and and the fact that there's a scene in here where there's an issue that they've been dealing with almost the whole show. And finally, one of the characters tells Mickey Rooney, this is what happened, this is what I've done. Mickey Rooney in the space, his character in the space of like 30 seconds has figured out a way to get himself out of this, throw this other person under the bus, destroy his career and uh, solve the problem. And and it just shows that there's so, I mean, if, if you're completely ruthless and you don't care about anybody but yourself, yeah. you can turn things around on a dime sometimes yeah. and go, okay, here's how I'm getting out of this. I don't care how, what happens to you. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it's just so interesting. And then see people that uh, he thinks he's destroyed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in reality, if he destroys you, if he's done with you and washed up and you're done with his character, yeah. Sammy's character, your chance of having a good life increase. And so you can see that this, like this couple goes off and they're like, we're yeah. free, we're free. You know, they're the only people that sort of have a happy ending and they have a happy ending because they get totally messed up by this and they just go fine, whatever, I'm moving on and uh, healthier way to be. All, everybody, you, you wish everybody that it was involved with him just all left and just said, we're done. Yeah. Find a whole new crew, find everything new. Cause and, and yet there's nothing's worth this. Then it says that, that says some things about the state of the television industry at the time. So driven by ratings, so driven by success, so driven by what have you done? Some city and Hollywood. Playhouse 90. Tonight starring Mickey Rooney, Edmund O'Brien, Kim Hunter, Mel Torme, Constance Ford. Playhouse 90 to introduce tonight's show. Miss Claudette Colbert. Good evening. Tonight, Playhouse 90 presents The Comedian, the story of a ruthless but fascinating entertainer. 
The Comedian is the work of two distinguished writers. The author of the original story, Ernest Lehman, who has written the screenplays for such popular motion pictures as The King and I, Somebody Up There Likes Me, and Executive Suite. The adapter, Rod Serling, whose long list of original television dramas includes the award-winning Patterns, Forbidden Area, and Requiem for a Heavyweight. And now, The Comedian. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for tonight. We want to thank you for coming. Until we meet again, may Ladies good luck and good fortune. Preset Black. Follow you wherever you go. And uh, take a cab when you're going there, too. Go to Great. How are we on time, Drew? Four minutes over, Byron. All right, folks. That's it for today. Principal, tomorrow morning at 8.30 for notes, please. Yes, at the cast at 9 o'clock. I want everybody to be... Oh, just a minute, folks. Uh, Mr. Hogarth. Mr. Hogarth, can you hear me? Now, what do you want? Did you have something that you wanted to say to the cast? Yes, I'd like to say something to the cast, if you can get everybody assembled on stage. All right, stage. folks, can on stage, please. Well, everybody, George, will you please try to get everybody right. on stage? All right, let's have it quiet. Come on, Settle down, everybody. Quiet, please. Let's get quiet, on stage, please. Come on, come please, on, quiet, come on. Please, shut up. Shut everybody up for a minute. Come on. quiet. Now, let's have it a little quiet. Charlene, stop the talking over there, will you? We're not clowning around here. Wipe that smile off your face. Look, we're not... Look <laughs> <laughs> George, this guy goes. I'm going to tell you that. We haven't got time to fool around people like that. Now, I mean it. I'm not clowning. Okay. Right? Now, listen, everybody. This was pretty rotten. Now, let me tell you that right here and now. This was pretty rotten. You walked through this whole thing like a bunch of zombies. I could have gotten more spirit over at Forest Lawn. Where's my so-called choreographer? Is he around right any place? Where did you get your training? At Barnum and Bailey? Well, the girls are a little cold, but then... If the girls were a little cold, then warm them up. Yes, sir. They dance like elephants back there. I expected them to lock trunks any minute. Uh, Look, girls... Mr. Hogarth, I don't know about it. I thought possibly we might be able to take care of it long after the rest of the... Co I, I Johnny! I no Johnny, get the boom... Wait a minute, hold it. Get the boom down so I can talk. Watch out, don't hit it. I can hear you. Listen. Look, Lord Byron. If you, wait a minute. Come on. Hold it. Shut up! And you shut up too, George. Look, Lord Byron, if you want to talk to the common folks, come out and talk face to face. Don't give me none of that Captain Video bit behind the glass. Where are you going? Oh, it's wardrobe. It's all right, honey. Go ahead. Call this guy a director. Listen, if my so-called writers are around here, they can send this baby back to the laundry. I'll tell you that. Hey, Lester! It's getting chilly in here, kid. It's getting a little chilly in here. Come on, Les. All right. Oh, hold, hold it over there, will you please? Do what you have to do, but wait a minute. Don't make me, don't make me the heavy all the time. Shut up back there, I'm talking. Please, don't make me the heavy. You have to yell all the time. Now, for the benefit of the latecomers, this is my brother Lester. He's the happy one. Get happy for him, kid. Come on, get happy for him. <laughs> well, that's it, folks. Till tomorrow now, let's have a good show and be on time, everybody, will you? All right, Can I speak to you for a minute, please? You want to speak to me what? For a minute, please. Yeah, sir. yeah, timing. Go ahead. Just wanted to thank you for the check you sent. That's all right. Uh, how's the kid? Much better, sir. Really, good. just wonderful. Well, look at I'm, I'm happy to do it. Give, give, give your wife my best and kiss the I kid will. for me, will you? Sure. You're will. all right. Good. Thank you, sir.
the comedian. Directed by John Frankenheimer. Produced by Martin Manulis. Labor. Labor, labor, labor. That's all I do. <laughs> oh, it's wild. You know who keeps the show together, Lester? Hmm? Have you any idea? The guy sitting right there in that glass. Sammy Hogarth. That's who keeps it together. Here I am, two days away from the biggest comedy show in the history of television. What have I got to work with, huh? A busty dame with a leaky head whose only mission in life is to upstage me. A script that was dug out of the cemetery. Look, I'll, I'll lay you 80 to 1 writers of this minute. We're not in the show. 30 seconds. 30 seconds it falls flat on its duck. I don't care. I know these kind of things. That's for me. Wait, I, wait, what do you mean for you? I don't want the phone ringing. How many times have I told you not to take calls in my dressing room? Sammy, it's Look, at, I've got a, I don't care who it is. There's a million phones outside. What? Any place what in the building, you, you don't have to down. Take. I'll use it in the studio, all right? Kid? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, Go ahead, take it here. Take it, pick it up. Don't look like I ask you to scrub a lizard or something. Pick it up. If it rings, go ahead. Just pick it up. Hello. Oh, hi, honey. Where are you? Oh, good, in the control room. I thought we might have to meet someplace. Well, uh, we can go to dinner right from here. Forget dinner. Forget dinner, Lester. You gotta go over to Jake's and check on my costumes. Well, uh, Sammy, couldn't I do that tomorrow morning? You could, but you're not going to. You're gonna do it tonight. Honey, I'm sorry. I, I've gotta do some things for Sammy. Yeah. Honey, I, I can, come on, I, I can fast. I can't talk you? right now, honey. I'll be out in a minute, okay? Let's go, come on. Yeah. Get off there. Uh, that was, that was Julie. That was, uh, uh, Julie. You know who I thought it was? I thought it was Walt Disney wanting you to play one of the dwarves, the one they call stupid. Don't be. Honest, Lester, you're so well-read. Oh, you frighten me. Here, help me on with my coat. You see Al Preston around, tell him to check his social security card. That, with what I'm going to pay him, comes to about 65 bucks a month. Tell him I want to see him right now, will you? Okay. Right now! I don't want him next week! Now! Take Come on, let's, let's go! Go, go, go! Ah, hello there, Mrs. Hogarth. Slumming? I was just about to ask you the same thing, Mr. Elwell. You having trouble finding material for your column? No, no, no trouble. A totally non-professional visit. I was rather hoping that one of those cameras would roll over Samuel and kill him. You're talking about my brother-in-law. Oh, well, we all have our troubles, dear. Hi, honey. Oh, hello hello there. there. Hello, Mr. Elwood. The young cloak and suitor turned valet. What errand do you run for the master today? Well, if you're talking about Sammy, Mr. Elwood... I am referring to the smelly little man with the bad joke. Society's affliction, Samuel Hogarth. How is he, Lester? Huh? Something incurable, I hope. Well, he's in his dressing room, Mr. Elwell. He could give you a very good story, by the way. We've got a, got a wonderful show Friday, good production numbers. My dear, young, long-suffering Lester, the only production with Samuel Hogarth in it that even remotely interests me is the final one in his career. When six straight men carry him along the route to the great producer up yonder. Please, omit morning. Lousy two-bit columnist. He thinks he's God or somebody. Less. Les, honey, what about dinner tonight? What's Sammy got that's so important that you can't take off a couple of hours? Baby, listen, I've got to check Sammy's costumes. Honey, this thing goes on in two days and it's a shambles. I'm not kidding. The, the skits don't play. The choreography's terrible. The whole thing, sweetheart. It's... Oh. How about the monologue? I suppose that clicks, though, doesn't it? That's the usual stuff, you know. 
That's always his life insurance, isn't it, Les? The three-minute bit all about his stupid, lazy brother, Lester. Oh, honey, just because I can't make dinner now, is this any reason to get excited? Lester, Lester, honey, I wish I could count the dinners you haven't been able to make. Honestly, I wish I could count them. Julie, we've had all this out before, honey. Now, come on, stop it, will you? Please. But you take it. You always take it, Lester. Why? Honey, a man gets a habit. Do you understand? This is my brother we're talking about. He's your brother. So this gives him an option on your right to breathe? No, you're not being fair, Julie. Now, I'll just... see you later. Goodbye, Mrs. Hogan. Hello, Otis. Going up? I'll be with you in a minute, Al. I want to finish this up first. All right, last cut. Hold on two, pull back on three, flip wider, and get ready for a full shot of the dancer's entrance. You got that, Drew? Right. I'll check with you later, Barnes. Yeah, all right. Fine, thanks. How did it look? Crummy. I've had a lot of rough shows, Al. Some of them right up to airtime, but this one... <laughs> skits bad? The skits were real bad. Did uh, you do them? Both of them bad? It's a moot point as to which was the deadliest. Sonny and Jake did the first, I did the second. But I'm head writer. That makes me man most likely to get tossed into the cage. Well, we're working tonight. Maybe we can come up with something, huh? Look, the whole thing goes off right after the monologue, Al. That's where we need all the help we can get. This whole show just sort of deflates. I'm telling you, Al, we're in trouble. I'm I know we're in I... trouble, Byron. I'm very much aware of it. When I need reminders, I'll shoot up a player. Right. Sorry, kid. The little monster gets me so worked up, so tight. Speak of the devil, and I use the term advisedly. Hey! He's all right, Sammy, it's live. Is Al in there with you? He's all yours. Yeah, I'm right here, Sammy. Do you want to come in here and talk about it? No, I don't want to come in there and talk about it. Let's do this for long distance. Maybe the words will cool off if they got a little further to go. You're supposed to be my head writer, Al, right? For this, I pay you pretty good. Well, let me tell you something, kid. I read that first sketch you wrote, and it stinks. It really stinks. I'm not into it. Just three lines. And the wallpaper started curling off of the wall, Al. Started to curl right off the wall. You get with Sonny and Jake and tell those two guys I want something funny. Now, am I understood? You're understood, Sammy, but you've got to give us time. I'll give you time. I'll give you five hours. And if I don't get what I want in five hours, I'll give you two weeks. Notice. Now, you tell Sonny and Jake to wise up those two desk jockeys to get something good. Right, Sammy. Will do. Two-bit little monster. You ever notice the way that he walks? As if the whole place were a sewage system and he had to reach that door without touching anything. That's well said, Byron. If you ever quit directing, come see me about a writing job. I may be able to fit you in. Al, he was really mad this afternoon. I haven't seen him like that in a long time. He was personal, too. A lot of talk about you. A lot of stuff about... About what? About maybe you're being over the hill, being a little too long in the game. I don't like telling tales out of school, Al, but that guy is after you. It's all right. I, I appreciate it, Byron, very much so. The only trouble is... The trouble is what? Trouble is he may be right.
I got it. I got it. Now, this time I really got it. This time I got it. We do the Carnegie Hall gag. Man, it's unnatural. Sammy walks in with the walk. Right? Standing on a corner is a little bop character. Now, this guy's beautiful. He's got the big lapples, the peg pants, the sideburns, his whistling hound dog. He's beautiful. Sammy walks up to me and says, Look, mister, I'm a stranger in New York. He says, How do I get the Carnegie Hall? <laughs> oh, man, I, I love this one. <laughs> Sweetheart, I didn't do the joke yet there. He says, How do I get the Carnegie Hall? And the bobster says, Practice, man. Practice. Ah, you good, did, you did. Uh, One-shot gag. I'm looking for a whole routine. Maybe you guys can tell me how we can build that up into a production, huh? Uh, well, why don't we do a whole bop routine? We'll make Sammy the bobster and we'll feed him the gags. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think we got something here. Now, look. This is going to be great. Why don't... Why don't... Why don't you guys call your wives, huh? Go out, get something to eat, tell them you won't be home tonight. This looks like a session. Okay. Hey, Al, will you do us a favor? Will you cover for us in case Sammy calls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, tell them we're at the library yeah. or something. Let's go have a sandwich, man. Where do you want to go? Let's go to Lindy's. Crazy. Hey, man. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? <laughs> Take a cab, buddy. Take a cab. <laughs> Hi, Send down for some sandwiches? Hmm? Sandwiches? No. Might brew up some coffee, though. When they get back, we'll be here late. Okay. No progress? Sure, progress. The linings of our stomachs are worn away three inches instead of one, which is the way it was at 9.30 this morning. Sure, progress. You look tired, darling. I am tired, Connie. I don't get it. They read well, the things I write. They read well, they're funny in the beginning, and then they... they just seem to die out on me. The stuff is so hard to come by now. It didn't used to be that way. It's a dead period. No, it isn't mad. It's more than mad. <laughs> you know, Hope wants off and be 300 a week. I should have grabbed, huh? <laughs> you get a thousand now. Yeah, that's progress. Man walks into a toy store. Suggested Bob's skit. Bop man stands in front of a railroad station. Little boy routine. Sammy is dressed in a Buster Brown outfit. Uh, comedy writing. <laughs> boy, what a lark. I read the monologue. It's hysterical. Sure, hysterical. Runs 12 minutes. All Sammy for 12 minutes. He'll love that. Tears his brother Lester limb for limb. Poor little Lester. What will you owe that guy? Two skits, Connie. Two lousy skits. You know what I mean? Something to pull the whole thing together. Something, something really yuck. Those are Davy Father's skits. Yeah, I know they're Davy Father's skits. He's a nice kid. Yeah, that's why he died a nice kid. And so much talent to lose that of him. And the comedic sense of 20 Goodman aces rolled into one. He was fantastic. Look, if that's the big man, I don't want to talk to him. You get it, will you? Sammy Hogarth? Oh, yes, Mr. Hogarth. Yes, Mr. Hogarth, you're inside working. Yes, Mr. Hogarth, I'll tell him. Yes, goodbye, Mr. Hogarth. 
That was Mr. Hogarth. He wanted to be sure you were still generating. What'll it be? Coffee, sandwiches, or uh, sedatives? All three. Just blend them together in a syringe and feed it to me in the vein, will you? <laughs> Look, you better start calling Wendy's. Tell the boys the general ordered them to die at that place. They better get back here on the double, huh? Yeah, I'll call them right away. Al? Yeah. Why do you keep the baby father's kiss? Hmm? Oh, I don't know. A little sentimentality, I guess. Old times' sake. He had 13 weeks basic training, Connie, and they sent him over to the bulge. His mother said he was there three hours when it happened. Man, if he was around now, I'd be choking in his dust. He was the best. There are other jobs, you know, Al. Sure, there are other jobs. Truck farming, maybe. The loud tie concession at the open-air market at 116th Street and Broadway. Sure, there are other jobs, Connie. Just think about it. You want to marry a tie salesman, huh? Ex-guy rider? I want to marry Al Preston. I don't much care what he's doing. But Al Preston can't remember that. We let him have it. Man, the camera comes in tight, but I really mean tight, real close. And what is Sammy wearing? He's wearing a leopard skin, you dig? And here comes this dame. She comes swinging in on a rope. <laughs> Burl did this bit about a year ago. Okay, okay, man. So we don't have her swinging on a rope, so she swings in Why on Why do we a... even have to use this skin? It's forced, it's stupid, it's tasteless. Let's face it, it's a dull bit. Well, you got any other ideas? The critic over there, John Crosby. Look, are you with us or against Look, us? look, he's around my neck, too, you know. You guys weren't at rehearsal today. In the eyes of a master, I'm long since over the hill. As much as told me there's a thin line between what we do here tonight and my writing for dialect comedians at second-rate nightclubs. Well, uh, do you guys remember the, the waiter bit that Maury Amsterdam used to do? Oh, yeah, yeah, but you're going way back, Dad. You're going way back. That was a bit that, uh... uh Art Carter That's right. Away. Why don't we do a variation on that? You see, we'll make Sammy, uh, like a doorman. And we'll put on this, uh, you know, this thick, shiny coat. Sonny, we're in the costume. Well, Sonny, let's knock off the costume. All right, how about the candy for dinner? You know, we're... Take it easy, kid. You got a live one here. Al, this guy ought to be working in a meat packing company or something. <coughs> yeah, I may be swift, but I know him. <laughs> Get oh. it, Mr. Hogarth? Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> You're so clever, so versatile, and so handsome, too. Where'd you get a face like that? I want to send away for one. Oh, it came with the body. It came with the body. <laughs> Look, Kong, that's all for today. See, I'm all through today. You were crazy on top of the Empire State Building. Kong, you're all through. I'll pay him off. The wake up. Never mind. Just forget about it. On that man and don't do not, Kong. You know, that's all. Just forget about it. We'll call you when we need you. Give my best to your keeper. <laughs> uh, big ape. Gives a good rub, though. Ah. Who says I couldn't punch my way out of a paper bag, huh, Al? Ah! And who has to punch the way out of a paper bag anyway, except my brother Lester? And he is a pastrami sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, I feel good. Feel good. I really feel good. Yeah, that's fine, Sammy. 
And I said, I feel good. I feel as though we got a great show. Good timing, good rehearsal, good Sammy, good everything. I can feel it in my bones, legs, arms, everything. I don't think we have anything to worry about, Al. We had a wonderful show. Gee. And you know, and, and, and those new sketches that you wrote. <laughs> they're, they're fabulous. They're marvelous. I love them. Just when I thought you didn't have any more toothpaste in your tube, you come up with those new sketches. And if they don't play for Sammy Hogarth, kid, they just ain't going to play for anybody at all. You know, you got the right idea, Al. Stick with Sammy Hogarth, just like Connie Lester, the whole network, and take one fast ride right up to the top. But you know, I was thinking the other day, suppose I was to be taking a shower, and I slip on a bar of soap, and I break my neck or something like that. What would happen, huh? What would happen? Hmm. It's frightening. It's frightening. I'll tell you that, kid. I just hope everybody appreciates everything, that's all. The way you're sitting over there, I wonder if you appreciate anything at all. Do you? Do I want Sammy? You appreciate me? Hmm? Of course I appreciate you, Sammy. I'm, in, I'm indebted. Well, then, say it like you meant it, Al. You want this on hands and knees, Sammy? No, I want it said just like you meant it, that's all, right from the ticker, you know? It's meant, Sammy. I owe you a lot. <laughs> You're right. You're do, me, do me a favor, will you? Hmm? Yeah, Pick up the script. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, Al, all kidding aside, the sketches, they are, they are great. No kidding. They're absolutely great. I didn't think, you know, anymore that you... But you, but they're there. I want to tell you that. You know, I very seldom break up in a scene when I'm doing a scene, but that delicatessen scene. You know what I mean? When, when the guy you know, the guy walks in, but, you know, I don't, I don't break up. Usually, but that's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny scene. This guy walks in to meet him. Well, I don't look 40, do I? I don't, I don't really look 40, do I? You're the smartest thing in sports shirts, Sammy. Yeah, but I'm... All tensed up. I'm nervous or something. I don't feel so good. What's the matter, Sammy? You just said you feel great. Oh, come on, come on. Don't you know when Sammy's whistling in the cemetery? Sure, good rehearsal, good Sammy, good everything, but I'm, I'm scared, don't you see? Because it's too important. It's, it's too big just to be able to see Gleason and Burl and Caesar and see the jealousy in their faces. Be able to spit at them, you know? If I could, if I could only stop caring how. I only say to myself, well, Sammy, it's, it's just another show. But, but I can't, see, because it's too important. It means too much to It's me. just another show, Sammy. Wait a minute. Is it? Mm-hmm. It's just another show. <laughs> That's right. Hey, did you hear that, kid? Just another show, Sammy Hogarth. You're the funniest thing on wheels. you got nothing to worry about, kid. You're going to be all right. Come on. Come on, Al, let's go over to Lindy's. I don't want to be late for rehearsal. Come on, kid, let's go. You're real funny guys, aren't you? Well, I'm telling you right now, Sammy's got to get... What? I'm not a joke. What's going on in there, Connie? I'm not kidding you, brother. I'm not kidding you. My Lord, help me. I don't care what happens. Cut, 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 cut. Now, how many times have I told you not to keep opening your mouth? You're disrupting everything. 
I want to talk to you privately, Sam. Talk to me privately? You talk in front of Sonny and Jake? We're all part of a team here. Unless, of course, you're not part of the team anymore. Forget it, Sammy. It wasn't important. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Junior. Wait a minute. Where do you think you're going? You're not going anywhere. You stick right there. Popping off in front of those guys. Now, I told you to stop it. You're making me nervous. You understand that here? That's for you. Now, you're making me nervous, kid. What, what is, and I don't like it. What is it? It's your anniversary present. That's what it is. What? I, I've warned you a number of times to watch. I've warned you, but... But I'm getting... I'm, I'm, I'm sick, kid. Wait a minute. Whew. It's a watch for your anniversary present, kid. It's, it's, got a, it's got bells, chimes, calendar, everything but a menu on it. I hope you have 60 more good ones. Yeah, tell your wife that, will you? Tell her I wish you uh, 60 more good ones. Hey, Sammy. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot. It's a beautiful... Listen, Sam... I want to talk to you about the monologue, please. Look, never mind about the monologue, please. Yeah. After the show's over, tell me how great no, the no, monologue no. was there, but don't bug me with it now. Please, you got the watch, be happy, that's it, Sam. All righty, all righty, now what is with Lester? Hmm? What happened? Well, uh, Come on, well, come on, speak up! He, he walked in the office and he saw the monologue on the desk, Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. He flipped his lid, he said he wouldn't stand for it. What'd you say to him? Huh? I didn't say nothing. I laughed at him. You laughed at him. How many times have I told you guys not to steam this fella up? You down there. You. What, what did you say to him? Nothing much, Sammy. Nothing much, Sammy, huh? What did you say? I, I just said to him, Lester, I, I hear you're getting a raise. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he gives me that real dumb look. And he says, is that right? Mm -hmm. I say, sure, well, with Sammy on a 90-minute show instead of a half hour, you'll still be getting the same dough, even though you're three times as useless. Now, isn't that a raise, huh? <laughs> I don't know what I'm laughing about. It's a tired joke. <laughs> Look at Alan. He doesn't think it's so funny either, do you, sweetheart, huh? It's late and I'm tired. I'll see you guys. All later. right, all right. Knock it off then, Al. See you later. Hey, listen, kid. About this monologue, I don't want you to... We have a dinner date. I can't make it, Connie. I want to talk to you, please. Connie, I just spent 14 hours with Sammy Hogarth. This were wartime, that alone would give me 85 points on the trip home. And what'd you do with those scripts? The originals, I sent them down to Mimeo with the title page off, like you told me. Well, they're not here now. Well, they didn't come back from Mimeo then. That's all that Lester brought me in the envelope. Lester? Of course, Lester. He always takes the stuff to Mimeo. Lester? You gave the scripts to Lester? Why didn't you phone him into the New York Times for a half-page spread? Uh, uh, what are you starting? A one-lady crusade to cut my throat? Get Lester on the phone. Tell him I want to talk to him. Will you listen to me? What? Admit it, will you? Admit it just so I can hear you say Admit it. Admit what? Admit you're using Davy Barber's sketch. Uh. Hi, Lester. Hello, Al. Come on in. Thanks. Like a drink? Yeah, thanks. Let's see, you're, uh, you're Scotch, aren't you, my right? Oh, uh, bourbon over the rocks, if you got it. Yeah, plenty. Hey, the place looks nice. Thank you. Couch too? Yeah, Julie got it last month. Thanks. I'm gonna try that on for size. Thanks. Well, that's a view I always get a kick out of. Central Park. Yeah, and the, uh... In the winter, you can see the ice rink from here, and the, the trees are white almost clear to the west side. I remember when I was a kid. We used to put baby carriage wheels on soapboxes, ride them up and down the paths. 
My old man once asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I told him I wanted to ride my wagon up and down Central Park, just like I was doing then. Too bad we have to grow up and get ambition, huh? Well, you, uh, you sort of got your ambition, didn't you, Al? I mean, to be a big comedy writer? Oh, that wasn't ambition. It was an afterthought. I want to write a play. This was next best, or so I thought at the time. Still, this isn't bad, huh? You get three squares a day, place to sack down, hmm. cashmere sweaters. Oh, it's, it's horrible. It feels like cashmere, though, you know, sort of soft. Yeah, I know, soft. Like the middle drawing car of the gravy train, like what we're riding on. Al, listen, uh, about that monologue, Oh, about the monologue. Yeah, why, why couldn't we just drop it, huh? Drop it just like that? Drop it? Well, it's pretty old hat by now. I mean, Sammy's been using it a long time. Sammy's been using it a long time because it's a fracturing bed. Look what it's done for you. Central Park, velvet drapes, cashmere sweaters. Yeah, I know, but Julie seems to think... She seems to think it makes me look like a damn fool, you know? A well-paid damn fool. Yeah, I know, but Julie thinks... All right, all right, what do you think? Well, I think you could go to Sammy and get him to drop the monologue. I could go to Sammy. What am I, Western Union? Listen, listen, Al, I, I begged him, I pleaded with him, he won't listen to me. You, I think he might listen to. Besides, uh, Besides what? Well, I always thought you were a pretty decent guy. Oh, come on. Look, even if I was St. Francis, that wouldn't get me to go to Sammy 24 hours before he goes on the air and tell him to tear his show to bits. Well, Al, that monologue's got to get dropped. Or else? Or else what, Lester? Or else nothing. You've got them, haven't you? Davy Father's scripts. Come on, let's stop this. I love you, you love me. Let's get down to the nerve. Look, Al, I don't want to make any trouble for anybody. I, I just want you to go to Sammy and... To... All right, all right. I saw the skits on your desk and I... I saw the original covers in your wastebasket. Listen to me, Al. I've only got one thing in my life and that's my wife, understand? Well, Esther, I don't have a wife, but I want one very much, Lester. I'm a lonely man. I've never been able to share anything. Now, all of a sudden, I need to share something. That's right. All of a sudden, I'm 44 years old, and I want to get married. I've got a girl, but I've also got a dried-up brain that can't get recharged. I'm a comedy writer with no comedy left in him, so I stole Davy Farber's scripts. Now, what are you going to do with them? I'm going to get you to make Sammy drop that monologue, Helen. Why, you cheap predatory double... All right. I'm everything you say I am. I'm weak. I stink with softness, but I'm not like Sam, you see? Not, not seven different women a week. With me, there's only one woman. That's my wife. Maybe when she says to me, either the monologue gets dropped or I leave. Listen to me, Al. Listen good. You better get Sammy to drop that monologue. Because if my wife leaves me, I don't have any life anymore. What are you going to do with Davy Farber's scripts? I'm going to give him to Otis Elwell. He'll print the whole story. Oh, you bet your bottom dollar he'll print him. You bet he'll print him. And you know what you've done? You've just fractured Sammy Hogarth. You've just sent him back to the Borscht Belt. You've just hung it up in the air that Sammy Hogarth is using unauthorized material stolen from the hopper of a poor dead writer. You just murdered your brother. That's what you did. Cold stone dead. Why not? 
He killed me years ago. You got until midnight, Al. broke a bottle here. I didn't get a chance to talk to Sammy, so I talked to Al about dropping the monologue. Well, what did he say? Not much. What could he say? He's a pretty decent guy, Julie. Sure, sure, they're all decent guys. Who do you think writes the monologue for Sammy? They're decent guys. Look, Julie. No, not this time, Lester. I've had it. Why haven't you had it? I don't know, Julie. I don't know. I don't. There are times when I could kill him, Julie. When I see the way he treats me in front of people, I could, I could tear him apart with my bare hands. And then... Then what? Then he does something, or, or he says something, and I remember. Like when you were kids together. Yes, like when we were kids together, baby. I can't forget this. I can't forget the clothes you wear, the food we eat. It all comes oh, from me and my Lester, please, listen, not that Listen, again. Julie, Sammy got where he is by clawing with his fingernails, crawling on his belly. Nobody helped him. What was I doing, honey? I hung clothes on a rack. How can I go to him now and say, do this, do that? How can I do it? Will there? you stop that? Look, you were a big enough man for me to marry, and there were no handouts from Sammy then. It was just you and me. You hung up suits and I danced third from the end. And there was no plush apartment and no money. But things were different then. You were a sweet, gentle guy and I loved you because you were straight and honest and clean. And that was something different for me. Something kind of fresh and nice. And then Sammy started to get big. That's when he started to use you were going to be his number one assistant? His manager, you called it. Sure, he used you. He used you to go down for coffee and sandwiches, to get theater tickets for his women, to phone his bookies whenever he was too busy to dial the number himself, to be there to take his abuse, whenever he found hating himself too unbearable. You're his hunker list. That's what you are, and he made sure that's the way it came out. Don't let my brother try on his own. No, no, no. Cripple him with your luxuries. Make him as much like yourself as possible. Wipe the glamour off his tongue. Dirty him up. Who does he think he is? Oh, Julie. Julie, baby. No, please. No, let's go, honey. Please. No, don't do that, honey. Please, I'll go to him now and talk to him. Tell him to lay off. He won't use the monologue. Honey. Oh, I've heard him. that for no, so long. No, no baby, please. No, honey, listen to me. This Honey, he was drunk. Now, you know... He, he wasn't was that drunk. Nobody gets that drunk. I want to tell you what he said. Well, I don't want to hear it, Judy. I want you to hear so that you won't forget. Sammy asked me to dance that night. You remember the big dance after the big ceremony with all of Sammy's friends there? Sports tricks and dirty jokes. We had 42nd Street instead of that quiet little wedding. And Sammy asked me to dance. And while we were dancing, my new brother-in-law, with you, my new husband, standing just a few feet away, my new brother-in-law, Mr. Sammy Hogarth, makes an offer to me. No, no more, Julie, no. This was the kind no. of offer, Lester, you don't repeat in front of ladies. And you don't make to your brother's wife. 
No more truth. No, I can't stand before priests. you been? The writers were here earlier. We did some cutting. Oh, I'm sorry. I got tired of how the cutting go, Ken. Oh, easy as pie. Cut out the can-can. Number 11 minutes of no Sammy. You know, all lace underwear is no good. But it's nice and trim now. No extra fat. No extra weight. Look, Sammy, I, I want to talk to you about the monologue. What about the monologue? It's great. It's wonderful. We even used that stupid Sonny's gag about Lester being three times as useless. It'll kill him. <laughs> well, nevertheless, Sammy, all yeah? things considered, I think we ought to drop them. All things considered, I think you better remember who decides what's in and what's out around here, Buster. Look, Sammy, I... I've been talking to Lester. That's what tied me up. He's, he's very upset. So Lester's upset, huh? What am I supposed to do? Change the format of my show because he's upset? Oh, give me that stuff. Is everybody supposed to go out and get him a get-well-quick card or something, Lester? Don't make me sick! Sammy, listen huh. to this, will you? He's been talking to Otis Elwell. Otis Elwell? There's a parlay. They deserve each other. Sammy, now you are whistling in the dark. Listen. Lester's been on the inside for years. He knows plenty. If he should talk out of turn, Elwell is laying for you. Tomorrow would be the time to let you have it. Figure it out yourself the day of the show. Let me have what? Let me have what? What do you mean? Oh, you, you never know. I know. I know everything there is to know. This phony gossip peddler, he's got nothing on me. This phony dilettante with the perfumed ears. I've got nothing to hide. You know that. He's got nothing on me. Sammy, everybody and his brother in the world has something to hide. And you more than most, a whole closet full. Beginning with a suicide, ending with a couple of wrecked careers. That crumb, that ungrateful little crumb. Sammy, will you listen about the monologue? Oh, stop with the monologues, will you? I've heard enough of them. I just heard about it up. They're on my back and my mind. They're in my gut and I've heard enough. Now let's stop it, will you? Can I have a little peace and quiet around the office or is that asking too much? This little flea of a brother of mine. Sure, he takes a cut of whatever I got. Success, money, cars, everything. He does this, right? What do I get? Flea bites! Agitation, aggravation! He wants me to cut off my right arm just when I'm ready to go in and fight for the title. I... Wait, I'm getting sick. Sammy, listen, will you? Well, listen, I'm sick. <coughs> oh, I'm getting sick. <coughs> Let's go down to Lindy. Lindy's got some knee. Sammy, Sammy, before we go, there can be no question of whose side mm. I'm on. I'm not trying to upset you or destroy the format. It's just that I don't think the monologue is that important. And if you try to show once without it, Sammy... No, no, no! Sammy, you're much too big a personality to depend on any one thing that much. Ah, sweetheart, now you've got the whole message. You've come to the party. I am too important. I don't need the monologue. I don't need you. I don't need any writing. Anything special, because I'm too important. You're right. But I do know one thing. I know that the jerks... They're waiting for the Lester routine. They're waiting for it. They're going to get it. They love it. They want it. They're going to get it. Do you understand that? What about Ida Cantor? Eddie Cantor. Ida, does she get mad with the jokes of the five daughters? What about Jessel with his mother? 
And what about Benny with Mary's sister, babe, huh? Uh, look, I, I never heard them complain. That was fun stuff. It wasn't like this with a knife. Yeah. But Lester's different. He does mind. He has complained. After all, Sammy, a man has a right. After all, he is your own brother. Hey, uh, don't give me any of that stuff. Al, he was never any different even when we were kids. Always complaining, complaining. His nose in the air about his older brother. Always with his nose in the air. His older brother, the guy that could make enough money in one year, Al, to buy and sell him for the rest of his life. What do I get for it? Aggravation! Right! Now, let me tell you something. I make him famous. You understand that? I give him a job doing absolutely nothing at all, and he's famous. I even get him girls. I get him girls. But Sammy's girls are not good enough. Well, let me tell you something right now, Buster. This show stays the way it is this year, next year, next week, week after week. Do you understand? Besides, I, I like to see him work for his dough. Come on, let's go over to Lindy's. I want to eat him off my mind. Thank you. Hello oh, there, Preston. <laughs> Told me upstairs you were paging me. Look, Otis. Well, oh, you were running your business down here now? I suppose everything finds its natural level eventually, eh? <laughs> Otis, I'll come right to the point. I've got a big favor I want to ask of you. I want to know what you want for it. Could you be a little more explicit? For example, right now, I want a plate of chicken soup with noodles. Now, next summer, I want a month without care on the Riviera. Tomorrow, I would like to see, under my byline, a column that will set this town right on its ear. <laughs> so many things I want, dear boy, it all depends. When and for what? Come on, come on, you know what I mean. What do you want for laying off Sammy? For not printing whatever it is that Lester gave you or told you or promised. You know, you look pretty awful, Preston. You really ought to take life easier. $10,000, Otis. To whomever or wherever you want. That's a lot of money, but you know, somehow, Preston, it just wouldn't seem right to me not to write something about Sammy tomorrow. It's unofficially Hogarth Day, if I'm to believe what I hear around the town. Never has so much been said about so little. Plus a new car for Christmas. Come on. My dear boy, uh, are you insinuating that I use my column for blackmail, huh? <laughs> I, uh, I have a, a new car. It's rather a nice one, too. Oh, the only thing I might accept not to use, uh, whatever I've got against him, would be an even juicier morsel to replace it. I'm sure you understand what I mean. Because I'll tell you something, Preston. In my shooting gallery, Samuel Hogarth is a perfectly legitimate target for the truth. I don't waste my time with small game. So much more soul-satisfying to bring down the, the king of the jungle, the, the stunted pachyderm. With the face of a pig, the smell of a skunk, the appetite of a tomcat, and the voice of a Joe Miller. <laughs> now, Mr. Preston, may I go, sir? Please. I don't get it. What did he ever do to you? One lousy impersonation on television, a few cracks about the way you dress, you don't even know him. You'd be surprised how much I know. You don't have to tell me what's going on, sonny boy. Maybe I know even more than you do. Not everything, of course, but enough. And I'm getting warmer. Every minute. What men's room do you go to, kid? You want Penn Station? You've been down there long enough to... I thought you were trying to get a concession on the, 
on a towel thing or something, you know? <laughs> After I get through here. Hi, hi, kid. How are you? After I get through here, I'm going to pack a few things and go up Westport for tonight. You're going up to Westport? For what? <clears throat> what do you mean for what? I'm going up to relax, that's why. The $164,000 house up there, I'm going to go up and use it. Why, you got something better, perhaps? Maybe a Pachisi game at the YWs, huh? No, I didn't have anything in mind. It's just that the night before a big one, you usually don't go home. What do I usually do? Go to Tootsies. Yeah. The stalk, the late watch at Lindy's, a lot of things. But you usually don't go home. I never did a 90-minute big one before either, Al. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> you got something interesting waiting for you up there in Westport, huh? Huh? <laughs> You're gonna talk yourself right out of my life, kid. Keep going. Just You're doing pretty gag. good. I mean, it's just, just a, a gag. gag. That's yeah. so funny. I'm fractured. Look, I'm all through. You grab the tab, will you? I'll see you tomorrow. What time are you leaving? I'm gonna go over to buy the apartment and pack a few things. I'm leaving on the 1215. Why? Oh, no reason. I, uh, I just wanted to know in case I needed you. In case you needed me? Now that is a gag. <laughs> Sammy Ogar's greatest triumph. Look out, will you? What time is it? 11.30. We're mm. on the brink of history, are we not? Are you drunk? Al, please listen to me. What, Connie? But before you start, promise me no lectures, no recriminations tonight. Will I forget whether we had a date or not? I yeah, I'll give you a blanket apology to cover any possible deviation. What about plagiarism? Your apology cover that too? That too. You stole Davy Farber's skits. I thought we'd established that already. Yes, I guess we did. You just didn't tell me why. Yes, I did, Connie. Yes, I did. And at that point, I didn't have any reason to tell you why. You could see why. There's a point you reach, Connie. It's way down at the bottom of the barrel. The twilight of the men. It's at this point, and in order to stay above water, you'll clutch at seaweed or anything else. The drowning man, you know, Connie? He'll grab at anything, anything. If he doesn't, he, he goes under. Goes under, huh? Maybe he loses a thousand dollars a week. You haven't even got a nodding acquaintance with anything that isn't high off the hog, have you? When you've been living on caviar for a long while, baby, you build up an immunity for mulligan stew. I'm supposed to call Lester. <laughs> I'm supposed to tell him that Sammy will drop the monologue by midnight. That's how long he gave me. Lester took the scripts. Lester took the scripts, signed, sealed, and possibly delivered to Otis Elwell. Elwell will pick oh. up his cue quickly, and Sammy Hogarth will walk into the biggest show he's ever done, all nicely saturated with the biggest stink he's ever had to carry. Well, it couldn't happen to a more deserving guy. Except, except in this case, it isn't deserved, Connie. There was only one wrong thing that Sammy Hogarth did. 
That was to keep on his head writer. His head writer. What a right of brain and refuse to admit. What's the trouble with the lesser bodies when they follow in the orbit of the great stars? They just keep following and following and following. Did you know that I was in love with you? And count your blessings, will you? Look what almost happened. You almost got lost in the orbit. Oh, he's an addict, this great star, this Sammy Hogarth. He's an addict. And the dope that he craves doesn't come in a needle. He needs laughter and adulation and the love of 40 million people. And if he doesn't get it, he's going to dry up and die inside, aren't you? But he isn't capable of loving anybody else or doing anything for anybody or being interested in anybody. But he's got a hunger, hasn't he? A tapeworm, a nightmarish craving for all of the things that he can't give himself. This poor, poor, ice-watery little man. What a horrible sickness to infest a guy's gut, what he's got. And how contagious it is. Get it, will you? I don't want to talk to you. <coughs> Hello? Uh, Lester? N no, Lester, he isn't here. No, what? Well, take it easy. Now, I can't understand you. Yes? Y yes? Yes, all right. Yes, I will. Take, take it easy now. Lester, he's half crazy. Julie's gone. He's been looking for her all day. He can't find her. He didn't say anything about monologues or schizophrenia. Honey, have you got Sammy's private number up in Westport? Yes, of course I do. Why? Get it for me, will you? I don't know. I got a hunch. It isn't a hunch, really. It's more a kind of a fear. Come on. Oh, no. No, Julie wouldn't go there. Never mind. She Never mind. I'm sure of it. I'm going up there. What a hunger you've got, little man. What a hunger! He's not here, but he's liable to be here any minute. What are you doing here? What do you want? Julie, I, I want to talk to you. Oh, go away. Oh, please. Look, look go I'll away. go away, honey, but first I want to talk to you. Ooh, I'm so tired. Julie, how long have you been here, honey? How long? Good day. What time is it? What do you want? It's Thursday night, Julie. When did you get here? When? Thursday night? About an hour ago. Maybe two or three. After I left Lester. After you left Lester, what? After I left Lester, I... I phoned Sammy. What did you call him for? To talk? 
to talk some things over. What things, Julia? Oh, give me a drink, will you, Al? Stop looking at me like that. Why did you call Sam? He wouldn't do it for Lester or for you or for anyone. I thought maybe he'd do it for me. Why? Why did you think he'd do it for you? Why? Leave Lester alone, let him go. I thought maybe if I asked If you asked him. Oh, Julie, you lie like an amateur. Sammy's got a price for everything, honey. You know that. Sammy doesn't respond to requests for favors. Oh, I thought maybe this time. Why this time? Why, Julie? Come on, let's get out of here. No, I won't go. I came here for a reason. Gotta leave Lester alone. He's gotta let him go. All right, Julie, all right. Suppose you make a deal. Well, with this kind of a deal, when Lester goes, he's gonna keep on going. Right out of your life. He's weak, Julie, but he's not that weak. He doesn't have to know. Julie, he doesn't have to know what's gonna... What's gonna hide it from him, huh? Look, it's written all over your face and it gives you a dirty look. I love Lester. All right, honey, all right. If you love Lester, you'll come with me and drive back to New York. Come oh, on. no, I can't do that. What would I tell Sam? Look, honey. Lester's back there. He's going out of his mind because he loves you, needs you, and wants you back. What do you think I'm here? I don't know. Why are you here? Why am I here? You're here because you're a decent dame that loves somebody. In this case... Too much love, and, and you lost your head. Come on, will you? Let's go. Al. What? I didn't come here just to talk for my husband. Why did you come here? I don't know. I came here because I wanted to be with Sammy. Julie, Sammy has littered his life with people like us. People who can't stand to look at him. People who can't stand the touch of him. People who crawl to have him touch him. I can't explain him. Some kind of a crazy love-hate thing that always goes along with Sammy Hogarth. But Julie, baby, if you want to live and breathe from this second on, don't let him touch you.
Lester gave them back to me. Hey, you ought to see it over there. It's like Christmas Eve. Well, it's like doomsday around here, huh? old boy. You seen a newspaper? What paper? A certain newspaper with a certain Otis Elwell columnist. Mrs. Lester Hogarth went to Sammy's house at Westport. Mr. Al Preston went up there and after a big emotional scene took Mrs. Hogarth back to New York much against her will, etc., etc., etc. Al? He just left. What do we do now? What do we do? I guess we eat hearty breakfast. Poor little Lester. Now he's really got something to cry about. Hey, you better shave. Hmm? You'd be late for rehearsal. Oh, I wouldn't want to be that. The last one. <laughs> hey, do you know what? That's the most beautiful thing you've ever said to me. The last one. Oh, no. Where's that idiot with the idiot car? The girl, you're flipping on two silver. Three shots there, not two. If you flip in the middle of one of these stickers and see on the kidney, you're going to be pushing this thing, boy. I won't even be here. Okay, Dad, you'll be calling my cable. Oh, uh, Mr. Hogarth, Mr. Hogarth, excuse me. Watch out, Gab. What do you want? Wait a minute, honey. Please, please, stand in front of me, will you, dear? Please. I like to look at people, you know, when I'm talking. Thank you, Mr. Hogarth. You didn't hit your mark. It's pretty critical. And if you go too far, we'll offer you. Look, I'll make a few. Just give it to me like that, will you, please? Thank you. Excuse me. more important than 40 million people watching Sammy Hogarth at one and the same time. Well, if that's the way you feel about it, okay. I thought that you'd be... You real. thought what? Always thinking lately. A big brain like my brother Lester. How are you wrong? I loved every line of it. Let everybody read about it. Why shouldn't they know that Sammy was the guy the dame went for? After all, they might get a little jealous. She ain't so bad, even though she is married to that flea. You haven't by any chance seen Lester today, have you? No, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him, and I don't want to see him. I know everything. I know everything there is to know. I know everything. I know that for me, you do nothing at all. For him, you do everything. Button in when it's none of your business. I tell you, Al, 
You're two of a kind, kid. Look, whatever I did, I did for one reason only. Yeah, what's the reason? You did it for me, huh? Go ahead, give me the bet, Al. You did it for me because no, why? Because, no, because, no, because... No, 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 I huh? didn't do it for you, Sammy. I did it for myself. Yes. I did it to keep you from finding out the truth about me. The truth about what? Uh, what? About the skits, Sammy. What about the skits, well, now? They're not yours. They're, they're not yours and they're not mine, Sammy. I... I stole them. I, that's the simple truth. I didn't have it anymore, and I, I stole them from a kid, a young writer who was killed in the war named Davy Farber. You stole the material and gave it? You gave me stolen material? You took a chance on ruining me with stolen material? You do a thing like that to I me, I have the only copies in existence, and ah. they're, they're destroyed now. The only other person that knows is Lester. Lester? Only Lester? Well... Well, buddy, this is one stink you're not going to spray on me, kid. Helen, let me talk to Bob Quine. Hello, Bob. Uh, listen, uh, you're my public relations man, right? Well, look, make with the relations. Look, on tonight's show, we're going to do a couple of sketches. They aren't art material, you understand? They belong to a kid called Davy Farber who was killed in the war. Right. And, uh, look, uh, we're doing him a sort of a salute, you know? As a salute and a tribute to him. So you see that it gets better, we... And give it to, uh, see that Otis Elwell gets a scoop on it. Don't argue with me, get it printed! Now, do you know where that leaves you, Mr. Preston, huh? That leaves you right down a well with no rope. You're finished, you're washed up. From now on, the only comedy you're gonna write is gonna be on the walls of the men's room! Fair enough, Sam. Can I ask you something? Go ahead! Can I ask you why you are the way you are? What's the matter you're so hungry, Sammy, huh? Ah, that's a dumb question, but it's typical coming from you. So dumb it hits you right in the nerve. You're hungry, Sammy. You're hungry for everything. You're hungry for food, hungry for land. And you'll never get filled up, Sammy. And I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry for you. Because the thing you're hungry for the most, you'll never get. People to love you, Sammy. You'll have the stooges and the freeloaders and the people taking the trip up with you. But you'll never have people to love you. Stay tuned for the Sammy Hogarth comic killer, which follows on most of these same stations. Five, this is the United four, Television Network. Three, WRTG, two, New York. One, Zob's film. Cueing. Announce. Live from New York. Announce, music announce. The Sammy Hogarth comic killer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our big commission tonight.
I'd like to, if I may, I'd like to tell you about my brother, Lester. Uh, I just... So you're three times as useless. <laughs> so Lester, finally, he looked at me and he... Way! Well, what do you know? What do you know? Here he is right here. We've clowned a lot. We've, uh, we've, we've had a lot of, uh, we've had a lot of, a uh, lot of gags about him. But ladies and gentlemen, this is the television first. Here he is, my brother Lester. Let's have a nice hand for him. Lester, do it another. Is he going crazy? George, do it up. Drag him up and get him off the table. Please do something. Hey, he's a wonderful guy. Yeah, he looks good in everything I wear. Don't you get it? Yeah, there he is. Look at him, ladies and gentlemen. He's a wonderful guy. He's a great guy. Pretty hard too. I'll tell you that for a lightweight. Get him out on stage, right? Get him out on stage, and keep it quiet back to the Perfectly. Fellas, thanks so much. It can't make it up dorm. That was wonderful. Thanks so much. Beautiful. 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 I've been in this business a long time, and it's the funniest show I've ever seen. Thanks. No kidding, the funniest Thanks show. Thanks very much. Very good. Phil. Come on, Connie, let's go. Kidding? What the heck? You give Preston all of those those funny lines? You might as well get paid for it. Hey, say. This guy finally sends a wire. Hey, this is terrific. Hey, like uh, like Whoopi, man. This is great. Uh, hey, uh, Sammy, look, I don't want to say thank you. It uh, it sounds a little corny. Hope you'll have a great. I'll tell you something. I appreciate it. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a reputation. Any rep I get will be the rep I get. Do you understand that? I mean, for the best step. I mean, life. anything that you have to say. You'll have to say it quietly because look, at the minute you get out of bounds and I whack you right in the neck, drop the axe, and I do it pretty good. I do a pretty good job. You understand? I know that. Look, I tell you what. Now I tell you, just go ahead and leave. I'll call you when I need you. You know? Don't right. phone me. I'll phone you. Right? Right, Sammy. The thing is this: you write the comedy, kid, and I'll breathe the action into it. That's all you have to do. Until then, bye, 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 bye. Thank you. You're grand.
in here? I said it's chilly in here, Lester. I'll see you later at Linda's, okay, honey? always saying Benny's washed up you know Ben you know I mean so there were always haters out there wanting to find ways to say you're over the hill you're done you're out of here buddy things like but that what's so cool about Jack is that he held up to that pressure there would have been a lot of pressure from a lot of people and I assume a lot of his directors and so forth were probably saying to him you know there are some great writers out there if you if you just dump some of your writers bring on a new writing team we can refresh this thing somewhat and so forth that's probably what you should do i'm sure a show that runs 15 years like his his television show ran there were probably lots of times where they said let's do a reboot let's let's bring some new people in here but uh, to jack's credit he was completely loyal to his writers always i don't even i can't even think of one that he really fired sometimes they would have a disagreement and the writer would leave but essentially, he would stick with a person uh, forever and, and did and had a successful career. That is so rare. I can't think yeah. of anybody else that really uh, has a, 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 some of them have like a certain writer that stuck with them forever. But around that writer, everything would change and get yeah. fired and everything. And, and that writer yeah. probably would be part of firing everybody. But yeah. in, the, in Jack's case, he kept everybody. And just kept adding to his pool of writers, but not getting rid of any. And, you know, so he started off with one writer and then went to two and then went to four and then he, and six. And I think the highest he got was like seven or eight writers, uh, but essentially kept all of them. Um, so that's, that's well, really cool. not, not the first one and then not the second. Day, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm starting saying. In you know, 1940, starting in 1943, indeed. Yeah. But he didn't, but he didn't like fire anybody. They just sort of. Left, more or less i mean yeah. it, it, but yeah. he made it 
I, I think with Harry Kahn, who of course you feature in, in one of your books as, as one of the main writers of the, of the book, because the earliest material of Jack Benny, um, I, with him, I think Jack would have fired him. It was, it was coming to that point. Oh, they were, yeah. They, yeah. They were, they were Kahn, really had a big enough it. ego that but, he was like, I'm yeah, out of here. I don't need you either, Jack. Well, and, that, it was, it was, it was Harry whose ego kept yeah. and dissatisfaction kept growing. Jack kept trying to appease, appease, right. appease. Uh, well, so. essentially it was, it would be interesting because it's essentially this show, but with the characters reversed where, the Harry Khan character uh, is is more of the Sammy character, but he'd be writing, and and the Jack Benny character is more of the writer's character that that uh, uh, would be the actor in in, in Jack yeah. Benny's story. So he had the power. So just an interesting twist on it. And actually, they've said for years people have thought about bringing the Jack Benny story. How do you make the Jack Benny story interesting? How do you make it? I would think if you wanted to write a great script about Jack Benny, you'd have it be about the early years and about he and Mary. Well, I think I would do a script about Jack, Harry Kahn, Mary, both Marys. Mary, um, what was his first girlfriend's name? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, it's a different. It's a different Mary. I can't remember her last name. She plays the Blue Fairy in in a lot of Jack's shows, but uh, there was interesting conflict going on and where it, between all four of those people and they all feature in the early Jack Benny show. And I think that could be a really interesting book. Um, there you go, Kathy, you can you, you, write, write. Oh, an actual, okay. Yeah. Instead of, instead of, instead of a, a factual thing, you can write kind of a based on fact, but kind of an extrapolation. Cause I assume there wouldn't be enough material to find, You'd have to create things, but yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, I hope folks are going to enjoy this episode. I don't see how you can't enjoy it. It's such interesting, so riveting. Uh, and I, you just I, I, I just can't thank you enough. Now, the one version that you've linked to on YouTube has some annoying little commercials pop up. Yes. You can all, I, I haven't paid my 99 cents yet, but I, Amazon um has is running all these um has all these uh playhouse one episodes available for 99 cents and i might check it out because this is a kinescope version and i didn't know if there might be one that still has the ads in it or or things like that but as yep. i said be patient be patient with the free youtube version that's yeah. got uh, yeah. a, a few annoying little things you've got well i think the version will get when he's showing won't have those ads um I don't have enough listeners to actually for YouTube to care about running ads on my, <laughs> my shows. I like it. So that's a plus, I guess. I like it. <laughs> anyway, so I think it's going to be okay. But yeah, I do agree that that uh, having this uninterrupted, uninterrupted is a good thing. Uh, and especially those ads, of course, the YouTube ads. We'll talk about that for just a second. It's way off topic. But I think it's so interesting watching shows with YouTube ads because the YouTube ads have no idea where they're going to go. They just all pop up, right? And so you'll be in the middle of a dramatic scene where somebody says, and I'll tell you something. And then it goes right into, uh, you know, some commercial. And then after the commercial, else, and they go on. And it's like, <laughs> you have to suspend and go, okay, this is going to take up right where it left off. And yeah, it, it's not like it has like, certainly, and it shows you, what's interesting, it shows you how television shows are constructed that have commercials in them in that they mm -hmm. usually segue, they, they, they create a, a moment 
that that they go, oh, and now coming up, you're going to want to tune back in because you don't know where this scene's going to go or whatever. And then they go off to the commercial and they come back and it, they're, yeah. they're written in a way and, to, to have the commercial just, in mind. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, soap operas too. It's fascinating. Yes. Uh, it just adds to the complexity of the... Uh, of the writer's job, of the television writer's job. So. Well, and and makes it some ways might make it easier too. It breaks your show into certain lumps, and you kind of go, okay, we always build up to Act One until the the first yeah. set of commercials, and we build up this next one to the next set of commercials. And if you didn't have commercials, certainly, for, especially like you mentioned, soap operas, I think it would be a lot harder to write for them because then it's like, okay, we need to. To keep people interested for the whole time, and we well, can't have these little cheats that's of the, yeah. a Netflix. Yeah, that's the Netflix issue. So you know, Netflix without commercial or HBO without right. commercial. Yeah, because those shows um, about your they don't have the they don't have like the of of, of like a, a television show with commercials has this sort of W sort of thing going on where it's going down and up and down and up throughout, whereas a Netflix show just if it's written right it just kind of goes at an angle the whole time because you're just trying to you got to go okay we got to get better and better more interesting more interesting through the episode build 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 and then at the end essentially that's your commercial where you're going okay now we want you to tune into the next episode it's going to launch here in 28 seconds or something so we need to have the end of this be so impactful that you're going to carry on and watch the next episode almost like the old um I guess it's closer to to the old serials back in sure. the, the cliffhangers uh, mm -hmm. where they would build and build and build and then you'd have the end build of the cliffhanger and, and then yeah. come back next week and you can catch the next part of the cliffhanger. And yeah, yeah. interesting. So, uh, I just think it's so interesting how television is going now with, like you say, Netflix with the way, and, and, and they're doing a different, they're trying different things. I mean, I, I thought they would. I was like, okay. Netflix is dumping whole shows at once. The audience loves the fact in their hearts, they say, oh, this is what I want. I want a whole show dumped. But the reality is when you dump a whole show, you get lots of talk about it for a week and then you don't get much talk about it. But you look at, uh, I think WandaVision is a great- I was gonna example. say, I bet, you, I bet you would mention WandaVision, which used that, um, uh, the weeks between uh, the, yes. so productively to involve us in speculation. So. Exactly. All the speculation, everything. And so it dominated for, for nine weeks. It had everyone talking and it was, there were articles featured on it. There was all kinds of things that if they dumped it all in one setting, it wouldn't have happened. Right. Um, yeah. And the other thing that, that people have mentioned, this is the first time I remember them mentioning this. They knew the day it would come out. So every Friday they came out with a new episode. And so people would mention the fact that I get together with my family on Fridays and we watch it together. It's almost like watching the Brady Bunch back in the day. It was on Friday nights and everybody would get together and watch that. Uh, with, And it was true of my family. I got together with my brother-in-law and we would all, my brother-in-law, his family, my family, we sort of had a COVID uh, what do they call that? A, a team of people instead of, instead of a quarantine. So we have a quarantine with us and him and his family. And we would get together on Fridays and we would watch WandaVision. We did that for nine weeks straight. And we've never done that's that right. I can think of. Well, and that's, that's the thing that's so fascinating. How do you set out to make a WandaVision? You yeah. know, I mean, or an event like that. Yeah. It's some of it's the luck. 
of an of an interesting script and a time in which yep. we've got nothing else on our hands and we're interested. So, you know, if you could bottle that and yes. sell it, uh, you'd, I guess, have the money. Well, you, you and they know, knew they Disney, had it. Disney would, Disney would buy it, right? Yeah. Um, but but you can't. You can, you know, come up with, with something and go, this is great. And everybody goes, ah, no. Yeah. So, uh, I well, because Disney, uh, Disney on their part, on their, they recognized it at least because they uh, were originally going to have uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon that just came out here uh, last night or whatever um, be their first release from the from the Marvel Studio folks, but they had WandaVision ready as as well, and I think they just decided this is more an interesting dive into television. And I think it was, I think the fact that it was Marvel's first foray, really mm -hmm. the Marvel studios into television, they'd had Marvel shows, but not, not done by the studio that creates the films. And, uh, and for them to play with the television format in the way they did, especially in the early episodes, it was a great homage to superheroes, but also an homage to all of the, um tv shows that have come before yeah. and what a treat that was and having those two things collide i think yeah. what we really got the public excited and uh mm -hmm. again uh, alchemy genius as i yes. said you could just sort of you couldn't get a computer program to no. say this is how to make a hit right. show it, it's some that's some get someone gets paid right. the big bucks for the and you and you only show. get one shot at being your first whatever it is so I think that was a great thing that will be remembered forever is that was their first thing. Just like the Iron Man movie is remembered as the very first thing that they did and still holds up today and still has people go, wow, that was a great start to this whole sure. thing. Sure. Or the and first Star the same Wars thing movie. What was that? Or the first Star Wars movie. Yes, oh, yes, exactly. Now, now, granted, Star Wars was a different thing in that Star Wars... Uh, originally, they didn't know if they were going to. It was going to be one, and I think I think in his brain, I think Lucas wouldn't want more, but he kind of probably no, really no, no, doubted no. he'd ever we, get another one. We, the audience, didn't expect anything more. It was just going to be. Well, one. you never had anything having more than one, right? I mean, at that time, I don't even think there was a Jaws two out at that point. I don't think anything had really had. I mean, you had you had to go back to like Topper. Yeah to have multiple sequels stuff there was there was things with sequels in the 40s and yeah. the, and and so forth but really for modern audiences they were used to a one offs they weren't they yeah. weren't used to anything so, that had a continuing just, so it's it's fascinating to try something new and fascinating when it sticks but i also love the failures i love to try i i hold up the example of quibi that whole network that yes. crashed and burned because maybe it, it came out at the wrong time. If I'm stuck at home, maybe I don't need a 15 minute program on my phone. So. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's all timing, isn't it? Uh, certainly uh, Disney Plus, essentially, I, I, I don't think Disney was gonna die, but it's, I mean, it was definitely a big time life preserver for Disney during this whole COVID time. I mean, it grew, tremendously because of exactly what we needed during COVID, whereas their theme parts were exactly what we didn't need in COVID, so they had to close those down. And their movies were exactly what we didn't need in COVID, yeah. so they couldn't show the movies. So most of their income streams were just gone and, and, and devastated, 
whereas their their Disney Plus that they'd only started just a few months before COVID started uh, was it was the perfect thing that that needed. And so, man, is Disney going to come back strong after COVID's over? Because, of course, their theme parks will come back and their movies will come back. And this uh, this Disney Plus streaming service will have gained all this momentum. It's not like a whole bunch of people are probably going to cancel it at this point. They're going to keep going. So Disney just wins, wins, wins out of this thing. Also, I feel strongly that you know, people are like, are people going to go back to theaters and are people going to go back and do these things now? They've gotten used to being in their homes and all. I think there is so much pent up. I just want to get out. I think, I think tourism is going to be through the roof. I think going to movies is going to be gigantic. I think um, the Disney parks are going to be just flooded. I think you're going to have so much trouble, you know, a year from now, if we're kind of out of this thing, I think their parks are just going to be booked up more than ever. And, and it's going to be, boy, you better have fast passes because it's going to be insane there, I bet, for a long time. It's going to be well, two, three hoping. years before we, we, we get this out of our system of needing to go and do things and, and so forth. Or maybe not. Maybe it's going to be 10 years that we're going to still want to just, we just need to get out. We just need out and do things. So yeah. uh, I was talking our, about, our, I was talking our, about, our, go ahead. Uh, I was no, just, no, or, or other uh, other other uh, diseases will come along, and we'll get out, and we'll yeah. go back in, kind of like the groundhog. True, know. true, that could be. Um, and I was talking about our um, uh, locally. We have these folks that are, are not doing well. A lot of folks aren't doing well. A lot of businesses, but uh, we have one that um, around our harbor has a uh, uh, a company that that has kayaks that you rent and you go out and kayaks. And they do okay. I was, you know, and I see people out in the kayaks historically early, you know, um, it's actually probably one of the things you could do during COVID a little bit. And, but I, you know, I don't know, but I'm thinking after COVID, I bet they just get swamped with people wanting to do that, wanting to go out on kayaks and, and the hiking trails and the, all the various things you can do, I think are going to be swamped. Um, so, and I, and I think that's going to tremendously add, I think the economy is just going to blow up after this whole thing in a positive way yeah yes yes assuming that the other strands and things aren't uh, causing us yep. to be right back where we're at and you know and I, and I don't know i mean if if the other strands do come back strong are we going to be able to have the public react to them in the safest possible way or is the public going to say sorry we did that once we're not doing that again and and they just go yeah. we, we lose who we lose i you know i don't know it's it's so interesting That's... to see how society is gonna you know group think is kind of hard to predict as to how you're gonna deal with these mm -hmm. things but man this has been just for you and i as kind of observers of the world and observers of media and all of that it's been just a really interesting time for sure um anyway sure had yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad we've been able to spend it together here. Yeah. On Zoom. So am I, I mean, I don't think we would, without COVID, I don't know if we would have ever had this really. It just sort of kind of grew in that I had this way with, with Zoom and was thinking, oh, I can do this thing. And I knew you and some of the folks and I was like, I wonder if people will be interested in that. And they seem to be interested in hearing what we have to say about these things. And it's a great way to present these shows. I've always kind of wanted to, because essentially it's like my podcast where I introduce an old time radio show. 
but I've always wanted on YouTube, how can I do this where I would introduce shows? And I tried one by myself and thought, okay, it was all right, but it's not as good as if I have dialogue going back and forth with someone. And I, I think that adds a huge piece to it. So anyway, I hope everybody is going to enjoy this episode. Let's get on to that. And we will see you next week as we talk either probably more about a Jack Benny show, but we'll also in future weeks talk more about some Rod Serling things. I, I really want to bring us um, the time element, which was the in initial sort of backdoor pilot for Twilight Zone uh, is a future Rod Serling thing I want to present. Also, we talked about Requiem for a Heavyweight. I really want to present that as well at some point because I think that is some fine acting and some great writing that uh, Rod Serling has done for that. And maybe further, can we, can sure. we, is there a copy of Patterns available? Yeah, yeah. we can do Patterns. I okay. That one, that one was such a hit that they, um, that audiences pressured, that came on some kind of craft theater yes. and they actually repeat, did another live performance of it. Right. For the folks, so many people who had missed Which is it. Which yeah. yeah. Well, so, and because so. at that point in time, you wouldn't gear up and go, oh, Rod Serling's going to be presenting, you know, some new thing. Yeah. They didn't know Rod Serling. They didn't, he was nobody yeah. at that point. I would assume yeah. for Requiem for a Heavyweight and for the comedian, they were really playing up that it was a Rod Serling script, that, that, that it was, <clears throat> he's the one who brought you patterns and brought you Requiem. And so they would have a, a lot larger audience to, to enjoy the show. Um, yeah, I intend to bring us that too. I find that patterns with modern audiences uh, can be a little bit of a slog of a show. It, it's uh, the comedian. What helps is it's something we can wrap our heads around mm. as far as a comedian, as far as we've yeah. seen things like this, we've seen, and, and, and there, there's a dynamic piece to it that works. And mm. same thing with, I can also you, can, just go, you can get yeah. into a fighter and all that, but business people in a business office oh, and so okay. forth is a lot harder push so i kind of want to present that a little later in our group so that hopefully people are starting to go wow i just want to watch it for the fact that rod sterling wrote this thing and it was his big breakthrough and sure. I, I think once you watch it if you give it time you're okay but it's just very easy thing after about 15 minutes or 20 minutes to go i think i'm done i'm not going to watch the rest of that and that's okay. a, a sad thing for the for the viewer i would like the viewer to to enjoy the whole show. So without further ado, let's watch The Comedian uh, featuring Mickey Rooney, featuring Mel Torme, so many other great actors. You will recognize actor after actor in this and doing such a beautiful job. And Rod Serling just does a wonderful job of creating this. Oh, and the, the director was- uh, John Frankenheimer. John Frankenheimer. And John Frankenheimer goes on to be this amazing director that has done so many uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, television films uh, and, and regular the whole thing. So uh, enjoy the show. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you. Bye, everybody.